0: Hello everybody, my name is Jeff Quattromani and you are listening to Technology Uncorked. This show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I had a couple of calls during the week on radio and people were asking me about dash cams and one question I got was around the heat. You know, we're coming into the Australian summer and if you've got a dash cam mounted onto your windscreen, can you leave it there in the direct sunlight? Is it going to melt? A lot of cheaper cameras will do that. That you actually need to pull them off and make sure that they're tucked away and completely safe away from the sun when not in use, but if you do that, you're taking away from the features of being able to detect if someone hits you while your car is parked. Now, Navman has a product called the MyView Stealth. Now, this one is built to be permanently fixed essentially to the back of your rear vision mirror. So it's completely hidden away. It's not in your vision when you're driving, but they've also got super capacitor technology built in, which means that you can leave it there through the summer, direct sunlight, doesn't matter where you're parked. Uh, this thing will continue to work regardless of where you are and how Hot it is outside. So, do check out these dash cams from Navman. They are that eyewitness on the road. And you know, it's sometimes your word against theirs. Was that light green? Was it red? I'm sure it was green, and that's why I went through you've got the Navman to provide that evidence for you. So the Stealth, the MyView Stealth is $399. I think it's one of those fantastic options if you're spending a lot of time on the road and you want something permanently fixed in the car, whereas a lot of the other ones, you can you know lift and shift it to other cars depending on what you're doing on the holidays and whatnot. So do check it out. Head to navman.com.au and find the right dash cam for you. All right, just like every other week, I'm drinking a glass of wine today. And this particular bottle that I've opened up is from Salamis. It's from Blood Brother Republic. Now, they're based in McLaren Vale. I've actually been to McLaren Vale. I haven't been to this particular vineyard. Uh, but one thing I know about their Shiraz is that it's a little bit softer than what you get from the Barossa Valley. And for me, that's actually a fantastic thing. It goes really well with barbecues. But to be honest, because it is a little bit softer, you enjoy it just on its own as well. It doesn't have to be paired with food. And you know, this has got some really strong dark berries, a little bit of chocolate characteristics, super rich, love the, the dark red. I mean, for me, I'm a big Shiraz guy. So I do love this stuff. And I would definitely recommend that in the summertime, stick it in the fridge for about 15 minutes before you serve it, just to cool it down a little bit. If you standing in 30, 40 degree temperature, the last thing that you want is a glass of wine that's also at 30 degrees. That's madness and you're not getting the best out of that bottle. So this one, 20 bucks from Masters. Tell you what, I'm really enjoying this one. All right, jumping straight into tech news this week. And one of the things I wanted to start with was was Twitter. Now, I, I have a Twitter account at GQuattromani if you're interested. Check it out. I, I usually actually use it to listen a lot more than, than speak on, on Twitter. And I do love to consume news through there. It's a great source of information. But uh, I, I I do tweet out what I'm doing and things like that from time to time. But what I wanted to talk about is in the news this week, Twitter is going to be, I guess, purging or deleting accounts and all of their t- historic tweets if you have been inactive, as in haven't even logged into the platform for six months. And this is extremely interesting, not because it will just get rid of accounts that uh, that people don't care about anymore, but it will actually get rid of accounts of people who have died. Now, when you do think about when you do die, do you also want everything that you've tweeted about to automatically be removed after six months. Effectively, that's what this will do. Uh, Facebook, for example, has a memoriam uh, section where you can actually set up how you want your Facebook account to look after you die, and you can leave uh, you can leave a message behind, and you can also leave the content that you've also ever posted. And you know, you think about you know your grandkids or their kids. Imagine if they could go back and look through your Facebook posts or the things that you've gotten up to through your life. It's almost a way of looking back through you know somebody's life and understanding where they were at a certain point in time, what happened in certain days. If you think about what you do share, imagine if that was being read by somebody you know generations down. I think that's fascinating. Now, when you think about celebrities, um, Heath Ledger, Robin Williams, uh, I don't know, the people have died. And of these people, is that what's going to happen to them as well in that um, those usernames will be freed up, they'll be deleted, and all of that history will be gone? Is would that Was that their intention? Was that their best wishes? And I don't know how Twitter's going to manage that because you're, you're literally taking away a legacy at the same time. And I think it's very interesting what they're doing. Obviously, that the purpose behind this, and I should have explained at the start, was they want to free up usernames. So at the moment, if you sign up to Twitter and you're completely new to it, you may have Jeff12345678 at the end of your username, which is ugly. Um, however, if your name is Heath Ledger, guess what? You're in luck. At the end of this year, you can go ahead and probably just take the whole Heath Ledger Username. I mean, that's also interesting too, right? There's almost going to be a land grab if your name is Robin Williams. I mean, there's probably is more than one Robin Williams um, alive, and and now you've got the the one who died who's holding the the, the Twitter account. I assume he did. Uh, now that he's gone, come the end of this year when Twitter does this purge of accounts, boom, you you jump on it and you actually might have one of the best Twitter handles ever. Uh, I think this is fascinating. I think people. I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are going to be looking to squat on Twitter accounts, which means they're going to be jumping on these ones when they do free up to try and take that. I'm hoping that it would be fans of those who have died or something like that, who are actually going to be able to you know, post things from that person's life and maybe build some sort of legacy there. I don't know. But I think it's interesting when you compare how Facebook's addressing um, the whole death piece. I think they're doing a fantastic job of it, um, if that's what you choose to have ongoing after you pass on. Uh, however, Twitter is taking the opposite, which is just clean things out. Um, it's that whole I don't know cremation versus burial concept, which I think these different social platforms are, are are taking on. One's going to burn you up, the other one's going to bury you, so that potentially, you know whatever. You're always there, whatever the however you want to think about it. So anyway, it's interesting. Um, I don't know what will actually happen or how they're going to address it, but that was the news that came out today. And I don't know, fascinating. I I do actually would like my stuff to live on forever. I would like uh, people to go back and see moments of my life. I think it's very interesting. I don't document things in a book. I don't have a autobiography or anything like that. So people probably thought that these things are that. And the same thing with Instagram. Uh, The pictures that I post sometimes from milestones and things like that, it would be great that uh, someone one day could potentially, if they wanted to, go back and see what happened in that guy's life. I don't know. All right. We also read in the news this week that Telstra has decided to launch even more sites on their 5G network. And this is fantastic because originally when they launched, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Canberra, Gold Coast, Hobart, Launceston, Perth, and Toowoomba. Fantastic. But what about the people in other areas? There's so many people across Australia, not just in capital cities, right? So... Listen up, Aubrey, Wodonga, Central Coast, Coffs Harbour, Newcastle, Port Macquarie, Wagga Wagga, Bundaberg, Cairns, Ipswich, Rockhampton, Townsville, Ballarat, Bendigo, Geelong and Warrnambool. If you live in any of those areas and you've got a 5G phone, you'll be a little bit happier that you can now actually make better use of it. This is great, and I'm glad they're doing it, especially on the heels of Optus having launched their 5G network in some similar locations, but they're obviously focusing on the suburbs rather than the cities. It's good that Telstra is now starting to spread their wings a little bit. They did say that there will be a lot more sites to come. This is expected. We will just see this happen more and more and more. I know that in 2020, I think that's when 5G will become a little bit more pronounced, a little bit more mainstream mainstream in that, you know, the phone that you likely will buy next time if you haven't bought a new one this year. uh, If you're buying a new one next year, there's a pretty good chance I'll be pushing you to get a 5G one. uh, And there's a pretty good chance that you'll actually have coverage if you're with Telstra, hopefully, at least where you work, maybe where you even live. And I think that's a fantastic thing. So very short piece of news, but I just think it's great. For me, it's just more evidence that 5g is here it is being it should be taken seriously and if you're you know releasing a new iphone maybe you should have 5g built in and i expect that will happen in september and i'm not going to harp on that one again we did that a long time ago 5g it's here here's some more places to get it especially if you live in ipswich you can now say you've got 5g i don't know what else you've got but ipswich 5g All right. Now I have been testing a new soundbar and I've, I've tested a lot of soundbars this year, uh, mostly around the thousand dollar mark. It seems to be a real sweet spot, but the one that I've been testing this time is from Bang & Olufsen. And anybody who knows Bang & Olufsen, uh, when they do things, they do them super premium, generally with a super premium price as well. Now Bang & Olufsen have not done soundbars before. Uh, so this was their first one, especially in Australia, that, that they've brought into the market. And I I was very excited to try it. This has almost a, I guess it is, it's a, it's a wooden frame around the edges of it. It looks extremely sexy. This, this this thing comes with this wooden frame around the edges. It's got this beautiful felt across the top of it. Uh, it's very, very nice. 11 speakers built into the soundbar. Interestingly, they don't sell a subwoofer to go with it. They think that the speakers inside it are more than enough to provide enough bass for while you're using it. Now, I set this thing up. It's It's got Google Assistant built in as well. I love that. Uh, that was It was easy. Plugging this thing in was simple. Inside the box as well, no remote control. Another interesting thing. So they actually encourage you to download an app, and you can control it through the app. But the idea is, is that you're actually using your TV remote to control the volume. And that's essentially all you should need to do is when you turn your TV on, the experience is simple, the sound will automatically come through the soundbar, whatever you're doing, and away you go. That's, that's the concept here, and I guess that's why there's no remote. I still think it's a little bit strange. People are used to having one of those in their hands, but that's what they've done. The, the app does allow you to do all of the controls you would normally do on a, on a remote. Um, it does have Wi-Fi, obviously, built into the soundbar. Uh, that's how it does Google Assistant and things like that. However, I got this thing set up pretty simple. Uh, it's, got, it's got a Bluetooth option, it's got a Chromecast uh, option as well, as well as AirPlay 2. So, so many different ways to get audio going to this particular soundbar. What I did is I plug an Apple TV 4K into the soundbar because I want a direct connection. And this is something I do when I test soundbars. I want a direct connection from the Apple TV straight into the soundbar, and then I actually go from the soundbar to the TV. The reason doing that is I want to cut the TV out of the equation in terms of what type of video quality I'm gonna get through, but also, most importantly, what the audio quality is like. I don't want the TV to process the audio at all. I wanna go completely raw into the soundbar and let it, let it do what it wants to do. Now, they do say that it supports Dolby Atmos. Now, for me, this is really interesting. Yes, you've got 11 speakers built into this soundbar. That's fantastic. Um, they all are, are really coming out and facing me from the front grill. Now, in, a, in an Atmos situation, you want audio being fired out the sides, you want audio being fired out the top, as well as towards you. And what that allows the soundbar to do is to push audio off the walls and around you. And there's some clips that you can watch um, online, where Atmos can really be demonstrated. And when I had tested the LG, uh, Samsung and Hisense Thousand dollar soundbars. Um, I would watch these clips over and over again, and you could really pick the differences in who processed Atmos sound better than others, and who really understood surround sound. And I'll be honest, when I played um, those same clips on this soundbar, I wasn't getting the same effects. For example, when this plane flies overhead, I would actually hear it behind me before I would see it on screen, and obviously before it would um, the sound would transfer above me as well. So this this particular one. Didn't do that. Yes, the sound was fantastic, but I know what it should have been like. I know what that clip was meant to sound like, and it didn't. And the fact that I can get that from uh, an LG soundbar for less than a thousand bucks tells me that there isn't really a true Atmos sound coming out of this uh, particular soundbar. Not that it sounded bad. Now, in general, watching content, watching TV, streaming Netflix, whatever it is you're doing, yeah, it sounds great. It sounds a heck of a lot better than you're going to get out of your TV speakers or even out of some sound bars as well. You can crank it up even when you've got it really loud, the crystal it's crystal clear sound. You do enjoy it. It just bugs me that they that they have that Dolby Atmos claim um, on the soundbar because I just don't believe it. It was simple to set up in terms of Chromecasting, Bluetoothing, or, or AirPlay. I mean, everyone knows how to do AirPlay now, but it does work very simply out of the box. Um, it does come in a different, different shades as well. You can get like a bronze tone frame. You can get different um, covers, smoked oak frames and things like that. The one that I got was with the smoked oak with the gray uh, fabric across the front. We're talking about $3,500 for this soundbar. Uh, it, it comes in Well, you can actually set up two ways, which is actually sitting on an entertainment unit face up, and you can tell the app that that's how it's set up, so I guess it adjusts its sound accordingly. Uh, But it's got these perfect brackets on the back to actually be wall-mounted, and this is a thing of beauty. It is a beautiful soundbar, and if you've got uh, a gorgeous OLED TV, for example, mounted to the wall, this would look beautiful uh, sitting underneath it, and when someone walks in the room, it's not an eyesore, and I get why Bang & Olufsen have some massive success in this way is that people will look at this soundbar and appreciate it for how it looks. I, I personally that bothers me a little bit because I want to appreciate soundbars for how they sound. Um, I think that's what they are uh, originally intended for. And at three and a half thousand dollars, it really needed to sound good. And I'm I'm sorry, but it just didn't deliver the performance that I expect out of something at that price. Um, when I when I know. What is out there, and, and I know what what works. This one just did not live up to the hype whatsoever. Uh, so, look, a beautiful attempt from Bang & Olufsen. It looks fantastic. It's sitting behind me right now, and I'm turning back as I'm talking to you and actually looking at this. It's gorgeous. It's the it's one of the most beautiful soundbars I've ever seen. But that's great if it's off. But when it's on, I I stop looking at it. I'm watching the television. So start delivering me the the sound. Uh, anyway, I'm well, moving on from that, if you do have three and a half grand to splash on a soundbar and all you care about is how it looks, go and get it. If you're more interested in the sound, you're going to save some money because you're going to get a different soundbar and you can actually get soundbars which have an external sub and you can have different soundbars that also have wireless rear speakers. I think that's where you're going to get some benefit and still coming in well under three and a half thousand dollars. I mean, take the Sonos Play bar, uh, that thing, A thousand bucks, the sub another thousand bucks. Yes, it doesn't support Dolby Atmos, but doesn't claim to do so either. And it's two grand, and it's got multi-room audio and things like that. I mean, let's just let's move on. But that's the Bang & Olufsen soundbar if you're so inclined and so damn wealthy. I've been talking a lot about audio lately, and I, I don't know why it seems to be the, the thing for me this year is trying headphones and soundbars. But um, another pair of headphones landed on my desk, and I ended up doing a roundup for news.com.au of real premium headphones, you know, stuff that costs well over $400. Now, the reason I kicked that off was because uh, Beats brought out a new Solo Pro wireless noise-canceling headphones. These are on-ear headphones. And in the past, this last few episodes, you've been hearing me talk about Bowers & Wilkins, uh, Sennheiser, and Bose providing over-ear, you know, wrapped around the ear noise-canceling headphones. And I, and I do prefer those because they're very comfortable. And I'll get to why that is. So these particular ones sit on the ear, and they also provide really good noise-canceling, actually. But taking a step back, Beats is owned by Apple if you didn't know that, Beats is now owned by Apple. And what that means is that their headphones no longer sound like they're full of bass. They're actually providing much cleaner audio than they ever used to. But the second advantage of being owned by Apple is that the components inside are starting to become Apple branded. And what that means is anybody who's ever bought a pair of AirPods, when you open them up, your phone suddenly just wakes up and says, hey, there's some new AirPods around. Should I connect to them? And it's like a one-click connect. You don't have to go into settings, Bluetooth, pairing, searching, all that garbage. You don't. And they've built that into these Beats Solo Pro wireless headphones. So you take these things out of the box. Boom, iPhone wakes up and says, hey, can I connect to that? And you can do it. It's so simple. Um, Same thing with the AirPods Pro that, you know, you've got the, the option in the iPhone natively to turn transparency mode on or to have noise cancelling on. Same thing applies to these. So it's extremely interesting. Now, you get 22 hours of battery life in the headphones themselves. Different to the AirPods. They don't have a case that recharges them. So you get 22 hours. That's what you've got, which is plenty. I mean let's be honest if you're using this for your you know commute completely fine. However, what I'll also add is this Siri integration again just like your AirPods. So what I what I'm saying here is this is now a pair of headphones which is like you'll step up from the AirPods Pro where you're saying I don't want something that just sits in my ear. I want something that actually, you know, sits over my head and presses on my ears with noise cancelling still. Guess what? $429 is not that much more than the AirPods Pro in reality. You do get a much bigger pair of headphones. They're not stuck in your ear. They still sound pretty good for phone calls. I didn't have any complaints there. But what I did have a complaint with was wearing them for longer than two hours, um, pretty much two two to three hours, you're ready to take these things off. Now, it could just be me. However, when I had these on my ears, they have to push pretty closely and hard on your ears to create a seal. And if it doesn't do that, the noise cancelling is going to suck because you'll have leakage uh, where ambient noise can get in. So when you've got that level of pressure on your ears itself, it's not comfortable. It's like it's like it's not comfortable. If you put your hands over your ears now and you just push them, not extremely hard, but you held them there, it's comfortable. But then after two hours, you're like, I need my ears need a break. So for me, sitting at work for you know say eight hours behind a desk, um, I do listen to a lot of music when I'm at my at my desk and my ears were really sore and I wanted to change out to something else. So I think if you're on a long haul flight, I think these will just really annoy you. Um, They'll sound great for the beginning. You've got great noise canceling. Life's good. But eventually you're going to be like, I need to take these off. I need a break. And I wasn't at least for another hour that I wanted to put them back on. Now they come in a range of colors, just like Beats always do. Black, light blue, red, gray, ivory, and a dark blue. So plenty of different options for you. At 429, it, it could just be the headphones that you like. Maybe your head's a bit smaller than mine. But for me, on ear, it's just not going to work. And I, I look forward to when Beats bring out a more over-ear version with the same technology and things like that. That's the one I'm going to be excited about. And then again, comparing them back to the or the Bose, and these amazing Bows and Wilkins that I still love. Now this week we also had an announcement from Samsung, and I, I was really excited about this one too, because we knew that they had the A90 um, coming, but it's officially coming to Australia now. It's a 5G phone, guys, so this is a not an S series, so it's not going to be their super flagship phone. However, let's look at the specs and real quickly just have a think about whether you actually need more than what I'm about to tell you. So first of all, 5G device, fantastic news. Display on the front, 6.7 inch, so it's a big screen, super AMOLED display, it's gonna look pretty damn good. Um, It's got that whole infinity look to it, so it's all the way around the edges, not a huge bezel at all. On the back, you've got three cameras, 48 megapixel, a depth camera, and an ultra-wide lens. So we're talking about the perfect three camera setup that most people would need. On the front, 32 32 megapixel selfie camera. So generally, I'm not gonna say that megapixels means it's gonna be better quality, but generally Samsung has been very good at producing front-facing cameras lately, um, and I expect that this one will be very similar. 200 grams device, so not very heavy. Octa-Core processors are going to get through all your apps and stuff like that fantastically. 128 gigs of internal storage up front. It also has a micro SD slot, so you can add even more storage to it as well. The other great thing, 4,500 milliamp hour battery, which is bigger than most smartphones out there. They can do that because they have actually it's, it's a large device, six, 6.7 inch. It's a big, big phone, right? So you can fit a lot more battery into it. Fantastic. And being 5G, it actually needs that little bit more battery life to make sure it easily gets you to the end of the day. Only coming in black, it's got the in-screen fingerprint sensor. It does the facial recognition as well, if that's what you're into. However, the kicker here, the kicker here, guys, is the price, $1,049 uh, outright, or you can get it through Telstra Optus and other retailers. So this is a really compelling option. What is on this device that you would actually need to go to a Galaxy S10 5G or whatever other device? And at a thousand bucks, it's cheaper than the base model iPhone 11. At a thousand bucks, it's cheaper than mm, most flagship phones, right? So I'm I'm fascinated by this. I want to know from people what is it that this thing is lacking that you're absolutely adamant about having in a phone to me it's ticking a lot of boxes it's got the processing power it's got the storage it's got the great cameras it's got a huge screen my only complaint could potentially be that someone will tell me it's too big maybe the device is too big a 6.7 inch screen is not small if you do commute it's going to be fantastic to watch content on however does it fit in your pocket and for some people that may be a problem being 5g The advantage there is that you'll be able to stream that that content damn fast and that will be a really enjoyable thing to have. So let me know, at a thousand bucks, what's wrong with this phone? Tell me what it is that's missing. And I'm just I'm just curious. There's no right or wrong answer. This is all about personal preference. Uh, but I think it's just a really compelling option from Samsung. Again, this is their third, I think it's their third 5G device on the market now. It's actually one of the cheapest 5G devices on the market at all. Uh, it is a really compelling option. I love that Samsung is really pushing this 5G agenda as well, I just think it makes sense. So let me know, do check it out, just head head to the Samsung website and have a look at the phone or head into a store, it's available now, you can go in and have a look at it. Uh, tell me what you think of it. I, I may get hold of one and I may be able to actually talk about it in a bit more detail, but on the surface, looking at it, looking at these specs here as well and knowing the availability, I'm just thinking, wow, this could be a fantastic phone for someone who wants to save a little bit of money off a flagship price, but still get in some cases, more features than you get in other brands. So let me know, guys. Let me know what you think about this one. Hit me up on Twitter or email. DM me, whatever it is, G Quattromani. Just search me. Tell me the Samsung A90 5G. What's wrong with it? Now this week I also had a product from Bose land on my desk. Now, not a pair of headphones actually this time. This is a portable home speaker. That's the name of the product. It's the Bose Portable Home Speaker. Now, the reason I really wanted to check this one out is because it's probably the closest competitor to the Sonos Move. Now the Sonos Move, for anyone who doesn't know, is just like a typical Sonos speaker. It's got the voice systems built in for Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa, but it's now portable. So it's a multi-room speaker with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So when you take it off the base, if it's still in Wi-Fi range, no problem, you continue to use it and the music continues to work as well as your voice assistants, but you can also take it to the beach and listen to it there. It's a $650 speaker being Sonos, super premium, um, but also a really fantastic device. I still have it here and I, and I enjoy using it, especially. barbecue season, which we're in now. So this one from Bose, $4.99. However, let me do the feature list and tell me if you hear anything that sounds similar. Got Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa built in. It's got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. It's also also weather resistant, just like the Sonos Move. So it's got the built-in sound control. It's got AirPlay 2. It's got multi-room functionality, pretty much like for like so far, right? However, it's got 12 hours battery life, which is a little bit more than the nine hours from the Sonos Move. However, generally, you're going to get a day's usage, right? Depending on where you're going, you've got take it with you and enjoy that, that speaker. So very interesting. It's cheaper though. So does it sound as good? Short answer, not really. Uh, not really, it doesn't. I mean, let's be very honest. The uh, Bose portable speaker weighs about a kilo and a half. The Sonos Moves weighs almost three kilos, actually a little bit more than three kilos. So the result of that is because of the components inside. It's because of the, the Class D amplifiers. There's two of them inside the Sonos Move. There is weight inside this for a reason. It's not just the construction of the product. It's There's actual reasons for it. Now, what I will say, though, the Sonos Move usually pronounces audio in one direction. It's not really a 360 speaker. Um, you know, it, it works really well, you know, against a wall and projecting audio out. The Bose version, however, is more of a 360-style product, so you could put it in the middle of the table and have this beautiful sound coming in all directions, which is a really nice thing to see. It has got that lantern-type design that you would have seen in other Bose Bluetooth speakers, and that's not uncommon now. It seems to be a design they're sticking with. It's got this handle that does look like a lantern when you're carrying it, whereas the Sonos one has a, a bit of a grip at the back, so something a little bit similar. At the end of the day, you're going to get two fantastic speakers. With Bose, you've got the option of saving around 150 bucks. The other thing that's worth noting as well is the Sonos Move comes with a charging base that you can actually just bring it inside and just pop it on the, on the base, and it sits on these contacts to recharge. It does also have USB-C that you can just plug into it. The Bose, however, only comes with the USB-C charging and a base is actually an optional extra. It's only an extra 40 bucks, but you'd be crazy to buy the Bose one and not get the optional charger because you know that a year from now, you're not going to be able to find that optional charger. That's literally not going to be anywhere in a store. You'll have to find some cool way of getting it. And I just recommend if you're going to buy it, get it with the optional charger straight away. So an interesting device. I think the, the experience listening to them both has been at so far. Um, Yes, there are differences. However, if you're sitting next to the barbecue, you're not going to be that disappointed if you have to turn the Bose one up a little bit more to get the experience that you'd hope out of the Sonos move when it's not working as hard. Uh, There is money to be saved if you're interested in doing that. If you've already got a Sonos ecosystem at home, then the Sonos Move makes a lot of sense because you bring it inside and suddenly you can then get your music going from the Sonos Move and combine that with the one in the one in the kitchen or the lounge room, wherever else you've got Sonos speakers. And I guess the same thing applies to the Bose in that if you've got a Bose soundbar or other Bose home speakers, uh, which are corded and plugged into the wall, you can start to spread your audio across the house that way. So a very simple thing to think about as to what works for you. However, with AirPlay 2, you can actually, I could be playing the same song on both speakers just using AirPlay 2 by opening my my iPhone and just selecting both rooms and, and actually spread that sound that way. So... You know, you've got some options here now, guys. We're actually in a really fortunate position. I love, I love listening to music and I love having music wherever situation I'm in. And if you are barbecuing and you've got no tunes at all, then you're kind of missing an element of the barbecue, guys. Have some music going especially if you're just out there. you know. Sometimes in my situation, I'm just out there cooking dinner and I'm almost by myself. And it's kind of nice to have a bit of company. And that's what the speaker does for you. Is you put a bit of music on, you can sit there flipping your steaks, getting things going, and you're listening to some sort of tracks. So I'm glad they're both weather resistant. I'm glad they can both live out there with me. Um, but do what suits your budget, do what suits your ecosystem that you've already got. Um, but if you are purely focused on the best audio experience i still think it's the sonos move uh but if it's value for money obviously going to go with the Bose. it's a no-brainer you know 150 bucks minimum to save i think that makes a lot of sense for people so do check them both out um worth going into a store lifting them up taking a look giving them a bit of a knock have a listen um the Bose portable home speaker it's a creative name and then there's the sonos move worth looking at them both All right, guys, we are going to wrap it up here. I just realized I'm probably going to be over 30 minutes this time. Last, almost every episode, I've been doing this thing in under half an hour. I try and stick to whatever your average commute time could be. Wrapping it up right now. Next week, again, another big show. More things to talk about. More things to share with you. If you haven't heard me here, you will see me in a newspaper. You will see me online, potentially on the television, and hear me on different radio stations across Australia. Look for me. Find me. I want to hear from you. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you don't like. And tell me what you want to hear more about as well. Looking forward to hearing you all. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and you've been listening to Technology Uncorked. Bye-bye.